Welcome to The Good Mood Show with Matt O'Neill. This is the show to help you navigate the challenging moods we all experience as human beings and where you will learn the best strategies to feel the good moods and good vibes we all love to feel. Because when you feel like your best self, you are your best self. This is The Good Mood Show. Now, here's your host, Matt O'Neill. Welcome to The Good Mood Show. I'm your host, Matt O'Neill, here with one of my very good friends, Adam Copenhaver from Cope Grand Homes. Adam, welcome to the show. Matt, thanks for having me. Truly a blessing to be on the show. Follow the work. Love it. Appreciate being here. Adam, you and I have been part of a book club. We've read countless numbers of amazing books together and then gotten together for lunch and coffee just to discuss these amazing books for years. And we both have an agreement over the best book that we ever read during that time. And it was the book we're going to discuss today. Which is remarkable, right? Uh, All these books that we've ever read, and we're, we're agreeing on this, that this is singularly the most impactful book in both of our lives. And I'm excited to share it with the listeners and viewers today. It's, I can tell you, it's, it's helped me tremendously. It's helped my wife. It's helped my family. It's helped our colleagues. It's helped um, folks that work with us in Cope Grand. So yeah, let's get into it. So the book is called The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. I'm sure you're familiar with it. It's got 32,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. It was one of Oprah's best books of all time. He, Michael Singer has been on the Oprah show a couple of times. He's been with Tony Robbins. I mean, he's he's a, a freaking superstar now, really because of this book. This book just exploded his popularity. But the reason that we're bringing the, uh, the Untethered Soul to the Good Mood Show is that he teaches how to be in a good mood unconditionally, no matter what's going on in your life. And so we're going to teach these awesome philosophies to you today so that you can be in a good mood with Michael's wisdom. Yeah, it's incredible. As you were describing that, there is a story um, that Michael Singer tells about the FBI breaking down his door at his Fortune 500 company. And, and you can just imagine a guy that's endured all these things and still is able to present this work, these steps, these processes, this... Um, this way of living, it's been pretty remarkable for me, um, the whole journey. Yeah, that's actually why he wrote the book, The Untethered Soul. We wouldn't have this book about how to be unconditionally happy if the FBI hadn't raided his offices and if he wasn't facing life in prison on a trial. Uh, he wouldn't have had to come up with this philosophy in the first place on how to be happy in spite of your circumstances. He literally was writing this book on trial for his life in prison. And he said, they can cage my body, but they can't cage my mind. And I'm going to choose to be happy anyway. I'll tell you what, if he can do that, I can apply these principles in my simple life. And, and hopefully I never have to uh, deal with an experience like that, but I'm going to do it one step at a time throughout my life. And, and if something big like that does come up, I'm going to go right back to this book. It's the first thing I'm going to go back to and reread again and again and again. So, so there's, five, there's five main points from the book that we're going to teach the audience about today. All of the, I remember that I've read this book twice now. I've taken copious notes both times, like just pages and pages of notes so, so I could really understand it. But the first time I read it, I was like, man, amazing book. But how, how can I apply that? 
And so today I'm going to list the five things and then you and I are going to bring these five really big spiritual concepts down to the ground about what can we do about it today. So the first concept you're going to learn is you have an inner voice and it's not you. The second concept is choose not to close your heart. Number three, remove the thorn. Number four, it helps you to contemplate death. And the last number five, choose unconditional happiness. So um, Adam, let's just get into it, man. Number one, you have an inner voice. Describe the inner voice and we'll talk about what can we do about it. Yeah. So it's really important to recognize this. I think that we can all kind of go through our life and, you know, we hear somebody talking to us, giving us um, opinions or telling us about these threats or, you know, nowadays that inner voice is like, what about this recession? What's, you know, what's going on with that? Or, um, or something going on with family, it's really important just to recognize, okay, let's just stop and say, okay, there's a voice that's talking to me. Um, it's telling me stuff all day long, all night long, maybe keeping me up at night. Um, we want to recognize that voice because w- number one, we we got to realize that that voice may not be telling us something that is actually functional or useful in our life, right? I remember I, I, I first read it and he's like, yeah, you have an inner voice. It's an inner roommate and it's not you. And I'm like, what? It's a fantastic analogy. What does that even mean? And so he described, he's sitting on the couch, like eating a bowl of ice cream or something is how I picture him, like sitting on the couch. And then all of a sudden he realized that his head was talking and he's like, wait a minute. If I can notice that my brain is talking, who is noticing that my brain is talking? And he's like, well, I'm noticing that my brain is talking. And he's like, well, if I can notice that someone is talking, then that someone isn't me. And that means I've got an inner voice. I've got, I've got a roommate living in my head. Yeah. And I, I'm like, that analogy totally made sense. And all of a sudden I understood it. Like, oh, okay, I'm not my thoughts. I Thoughts happen. I can notice that these thoughts are happening, but they're not me and I don't have to believe them. Right. So we can dig into this inner voice if we imagine as a roommate. And I think most of all of us have had a roommate, right? Um, if not called a sibling, that sort of thing, but a roommate for sure. And you they can, don't always do their dishes. Oh yeah. They might eat your food, not clean up after each other. I mean, these things, melodramatic things, are typically what roommates do to you. But the flip side of that is you can imagine having a great roommate. Yeah. Okay? A roommate. I had one, Joe Frankfurth. <laughs> shout out to Joe. Joe. Yeah. Shout out to my boy, Joe. Joe was my roommate in college. He was the cleanest guy. I was not. He cooked amazing food. And he was like, he was like always cleaning up everything, cooking us all these meals. He was always in a great mood. Joe, do you need another roommate? Come on. Oh, Joe <laughs> is the man. Yeah. We we uh we're fortunate enough to to get to see Joe and his family every year. Still, we we've stayed in touch. Yeah. So you can imagine that Joe had an incredible impact on your life. Yeah, right? absolutely. Um, just like a bad roommate can have a very negative impact in your life. And it could be one conversation, it could be one experience, or it could be years worth of influence that that roommate has on your life. And so as we revert this back to the inner voice, what type of inner voice, what do we need to recognize is going on with this inner voice and how do we respond to these inner voice type of um, action items or are they telling us um, something that's not true? Yeah. So so, uh, on an earlier podcast, I said 95% of your thoughts are unconscious and over half of those are negative. Over half. Yeah. Got to believe it. And that's just a biological design, so, right? So our brain is saying, you did that wrong. You made a mistake here. I can't believe you said that five years ago to that person. 
it's bringing all this stuff up that we, that we did bad. And if we listen to all that negative, we start to have a really negative self-opinion. Yeah, which is, which is extremely impactful to a negative mood rather than having a good mood. So this is a really important concept. What happens when a negative thought comes by is now that I, I know that I just have this inner roommate and, it, and everything he says is not me, just he just says things. And whatever these thoughts are, just accumulation of experiences that I've had or thoughts I had when I was five or 10 or 15 or 25 or 35, that's not really a reflection of who I am. I can watch when it says you're not good enough and say, I'm going to choose not to grab that thought. I'll let that one just fly on by. Yeah. Which, um, you know, brings me back to one thing. Uh, Michael also talks a lot about the vastness of space, right? And, you know, he said, here we are just spinning on this rock in the middle of space, which goes on for eternity. Um, I like to think about these thoughts as I'm on a rock and my rock happens to be a bit smaller than earth, right? And it's just my specific rock that I'm on. And so here's my action item for how to recognize the inner voice and then what to do with the thoughts. Um, these thoughts are oftentimes energies, right? It's a negative energy. It's a positive energy. And really what I want to do is make sure that I'm in control of those. And so sitting on this rock in the vastness of space, I obviously have the view into eternity. I can see these things coming from a long way away and I can make my decision of what I want to do with them. Do I want to absorb that? Uh, is it a great thought? Is it positive? That sort of thing. Do I want to use it to encourage others around me, et cetera? Or is it very negative? If it's very negative, it's obviously going to have some negative consequences, stress, actions, um, so my some, relationships with other people. Yeah. So something practical, if there's a negative thought, like, hey, you're not good enough, or I can't believe you made that mistake. There was another uh, teaching I had, which is you can't always you can't always control the first thought but you can always choose the second thought. So just using this example of a thought was, I, you know, I, you're not good enough. You could just say, well, that's the first thought. And my second thought is, I am certainly good enough. And here's five examples. Yeah. And just to yourself, it's, it's your inner roommate. I can definitely have a conversation with my inner roommate and say, oh, hey, that's a really good opinion. Hey, how about this opinion? I think the exact opposite. And I've got 10 examples to show you. It, and you know, your inner roommate doesn't usually argue back when you start just dominating. I, I love training him. Right? Yeah. And I, just you saying that brought up a, a reminder um, for me. I was writing my journal this morning and it was it was about my thoughts and my beliefs. And I'm physically writing them down, right? The things that other people might disagree with, but I believe to be true to me and who I am. And this is an affirmation exercise, right? Um, so I was actually training him this morning using action by writing in my journal, talking about the things that I believe that he may not believe and he was telling me before. Oh, that's wonderful. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So you can train your inner roommate with repetition. Yeah. Uh, so I had laminated affirmations in my shower. And it, you know, it's all like what I wanted to do and who I was, affirmations of who I was. Like, um, I'm a strong, confident leader was one of my affirmations because my inner roommate said, who are you at 28 years old leading people that are two times your age? You don't have any business doing that. That was my inner roommate's thought. And I reprogrammed that thought by every single day in the shower. I would look at these affirmations. And I would say, I'm a strong, confident leader. I said that every day for like two years. You know what happened? Eventually my inner roommate started to say, you're a strong, confident leader. You trained him. And I was like, hell yeah, I am. Yeah. You know it. 
<laughs> Smash it. So, um, so this is really great. So we do need to recognize that we've got this inner voice. Um, this inner voice isn't us. It's thoughts, it's opinions. They do not belong to us. We have the opportunity to recognize those thoughts and create an action on them. And through that action, we actually train our inner voice. Yep. Okay. So if you want, if your inner roommate is saying things you don't agree with, uh, don't, you don't have to pay attention. And if you want to say the opposite, you can choose the second thought. And if you really want your inner roommate to get it every single day, either say a spoken affirmation out loud of who you wish you were or who you want to be or um, write it down. So the other thing I would do is I would write the things down that I wanted to be. So yeah. just this act of taking a thought I wanted to be and making it tangible with a pen. Hey, this is who I am. I am a strong, confident leader. And if you really want to crush it, go ahead and write it down on a piece of paper, laminate it, and put it in your shower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I met Katie and, you know, you know, Katie, oh, oh this Katie, was a weird experience. on the wall? First of all, I had my face on the back of my car because, you know, real estate. Uh-huh. And she's like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I mean, and then, uh, and I say, get used to it. It's going to be on some billboards one day. Just, oh, it's on a lot these days. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, she, <laughs> then when she stayed over, she's like, so there's some things in your shower. I'm like, yeah, you know, I like to decorate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Point number two. This, this one seems so beyond me when I read it. It is don't close your heart. I'm like, oh, that's easy for you to say, Michael Singer. Don't close your heart. I don't even know how my heart opens or closes. Like, how can you not close your heart? What did, first of all, what does it mean to not close your heart? Well, I think it's really important to step back also and say, you know, this is a step-by-step process, right? These are, these are practices. We're going into the psychological systems here of your brain and how it works. And so these things, I want to point out that they are going to build on themselves. Okay. So first we're going to recognize our inner voice. Um, personally, I trained that inner voice. Um, he, I, I, you know, I still get the negative thoughts from him, but not as much as I used to. Right. And it's really helped me become a powerhouse. He's now my pal. He does things that I want him to do. He does support me in what I do. Yeah. Um, yeah I think it's important what you just said. The negative thoughts will never go away completely. Never. They nope. cannot. It's just, it, but for me these days, okay, after these teachings and after putting into practice and, and making um, an evolution and getting stronger and stronger as I continue to practice it has been very impactful, right? You're still going to get these negative things that come in. You're still going to get these ne- negative experiences. It's how long do they last in my life? It's infinitesimal now. It's, it's, I'll recognize it and it's gone. Now, some days it's longer, right? But the more you practice this, the more that it'll become true, the less you practice it, you're going to revert back to the sliding, uh, the slippery slope of, of going into the negative territory. Yeah, this is this is part of step number two, which is don't close your heart. His his point about how not to close your heart, he says, let go of the negative thought immediately. Now, let go of it or fall or fall. So imagine this thought is just flying by in front of your awareness, and it says you're not good enough. And if you grab onto it it weighs a million pounds and it takes you all the way to the bottom of your consciousness. It just, you just drop if you grab onto that negative thought. He said the tangible way is to see it and choose to let it float by and don't grab onto it. Yeah. So going back to my analogy that I imagine myself in all the time is, is I'm on this rock spinning space, right? These um, emotions, these experiences are coming to me open versus closed heart. Okay. If I have a closed heart, I'm imagining myself in a physical position on the top of this rock, hunched over, arms um, at my chest, head down, that sort of thing. 
protect, I imagine protecting that's, yourself. That's my closed heart yeah, like position. Like getting into a real tight, closed position. We actually do this with our body too. Yeah. And so what I'm doing there is I'm closing everything in. Um, I'm closing in things to protect them, to protect my identity, which my uh, potentially my inner roommate has caused, my inner voice. Um, and also what I'm doing is I'm warding off all these other things um, protecting myself from the outside. So all it is, is it's stress from the inside and stress from the outside. You're constantly being barraged by it as opposed to my, my own personal analogy of having an open heart. It is me on this rock with my eyes straight forward, periphery the whole way, looking into space, which I can see far out and I can see these things coming. So it gives me an opportunity then to be open about these experiences and make the decision of what to do with them. Do you know why we closed? We were kids. We were so small and we couldn't actually protect ourselves. And so we would get, somebody would say something that would be really hurtful and we'd like protected ourselves. Like physically we would protect ourselves because we were so small and we were afraid for our survival. And emotionally we closed our heart to protect it so no one could hurt it and say that thing that would hurt us again. And now that we're adults, we're all powerful. We can protect ourselves. We don't need to close up, but we never unlearned that habit of closing and protecting. And you had said something before we got on the podcast. You said, every time you close your heart and protect yourself, you're suffering. Oh, it's, it's 100%. You can imagine what that felt like as a kid, you know, getting bullied uh, either physically or emotionally. And at, both, at, right. most, most of us both. Yeah. And so you hold on to those things. But as you, as you do become more conscious about these things, you do have an opportunity to choose whether or not you're going to stay in suffering and stay in hurt. And those things can last a long time. I'm talking about a lifetime. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't want to minimize someone who's still getting bullied. And if, if you are, um, please seek help. You, you don't need to, to put up with that. And that's, you, you, de- you certainly don't have to take emotional abuse, mental abuse, or physical abuse from anyone and, and separate yourself. If you're an adult though, and you're continuing to allow yourself to be abused, either mentally, verbally, or physically, it is now your responsibility. You you are the one. You're no longer a victim. You're big enough to know that you can remove yourself from that situation. Yeah, and, and I agree. There is There are a lot of folks that are out there that can help. Seek sound advice, guys. Go outside of your typical sphere of counsel, right? As we talk about your closest friends and your closest family end up being the reflection of who you are five and 50 years from now, do get out of your sphere. Do seek help outside and and make sure that you solve that issue because that is no way to spend life. And those folks that are causing that pain to you, don't they also don't um, need to be there. They don't deserve that. They need a better life too. So as you free yourself from that, you're going to find that you're in a better place. So uh, don't close your heart. Let go now or fall. And um, one, of, uh, one of my favorite teachings is my coach, I was telling you, Matt, Matthew Micheletti, uh, wrote the book, The Inner Work. He said, your heart is your guidance system. He said, when your heart feels open and joyful and loving, you're living in the truth and you're believing the truth. And for me, when I get bothered, if I get angry or upset or sad, I can physically feel my chest tighten up. Yeah. I can physically, like, right, I can feel my chest tighten. I can feel like all this stuff start to constrict. And he said, anytime that's happening, you're believing either a half truth or an outright lie. And he said, this is your barometer of what is true and what is not. God actually equipped all of us with a lie detector and it's our heart. 
That was like such a mind-blowing thing that's for a, me. Yeah, Matt, that's really great. So I started to set an alarm on my phone and I showed it to you. And uh, three times a day, this alarm goes off and says, how's your heart? Is it overflowing with love and joy? And if it's not, then I go ahead and, and examine, hey, what are the thoughts I'm believing that aren't true? And then I start to think of all the things I'm grateful for to get that heart to just open wide up again. Right. So you've got to be conscious, right? You've yeah. got to be open to that, not closed, right? You've got to be open to that. So being conscious about that at that exercise and taking a minute, call it meditation or talk, take it, call it just taking a moment to be conscious about where you are. Um, it, it obviously takes less than 60 seconds for you to do that. So anybody it, can take these three work. minutes out of the day. It's, it certainly is it's the work. still work. It's yeah. still an alarm that goes off when I'm busy. I'm in the middle of a conversation with somebody that I really care about and, and they hear this alarm going off with don't worry, be happy music. They're like, man, what is that? <laughs> And, uh, and, and I'm like, I, I, it's still, it takes discipline to live a spiritual life. Sometimes I, I've kind of been a, of this illusion that I'll just get it one day. It just an epiphany will happen and I'll be liberated and live in enlightenment and live in love and joy forever. But you had given the example of going to the gym. Yeah. So this is important. So how do we do these steps? Right. Um, somebody may be in a, in a, in a, bad place and say, I've got constant stress. I've got constant pain. I've got constant suffering. Here you guys on the Good Mood Show, you're so happy. You've got a, a life that is bringing you fulfillment. You've got relationships that you're proud of. Um, how, how did you get there? Well, it's kind of the analogy of going to the gym, right? You can't possibly go into the gym and expect a result by picking up the heaviest weight first, okay? My encouragement here is it's one step at a time. You go into that gym and you pick up the lightest weight first, and you continue doing that until you pick up the next lightest weight. And so my encouragement for how to put these things to practice is one little small weight at a time, one small thought at a time. You're conscious about it. You recognize your inner voice. You've got an open heart, open yourself up, and you get to make the decision of what you're going to do with that. Yeah. And if we went to the gym once a month, you can't, what would it, our results be? Uh, the work, as we like to call it, uh, the work is not going to provide results if you're just going once a month. It if you went to, to the gym, if you never. only exercised once a week, let's say Sundays between 9 a.m. and 10, 15 a.m., uh, how, how strong would you be if all you did was one hour of exercise every week? I can't imagine that you're going to get very many results. It would still be helpful, but it's not going to be impactful. So, oh, so, so this is, you know, my thought of, you know, I'll go to church one hour a Sunday for the whole week and I'm good for the rest of the week. Well, it doesn't, you're not, your heart's not going to be overflowing with love if that's the only amount of work we're doing. I'm, I'm challenging you. If you want to put like action steps to this, don't close your heart. I'm challenging you to go to the gym three times a day. Imagine if you went to the gym three times every single day, how strong would you be? You'd be like Arnold Schwarzenegger in the 90s. And I love that the literally the alarm popped up on your phone this morning as we're doing this. I love that you've programmed those instant reminders. And the most beautiful thing with this is you don't need to leave the office or leave your home, get in the car, drive a bit, go to the gym, spend an hour doing it. The work that we're talking about here is a very regular um exercise that you get to do with all types of experiences all times of the day, whether you program it to happen at least three times a day. You do it obviously a lot more than that, but you're programmed to do it three times a day now. I would encourage folks to, to imagine that gym of the space of their consciousness every single day. You know, every morning as you wake up, 
Provide yourself with affirmations as you go throughout your day. Set your alarms or set triggers. This morning I did my journaling. Um, I do mental journaling at night where I'll go through how was my day. So you're bookending the morning. You're you're intentional with a journal and working on this at the at night. So at the very minimum, you've got two times of this spiritual gym in the morning and at night. And then if you can find a way somewhere in the middle of the day, that's even gravy on top. Oh yeah, I'll take a I'll take a step away. I'll I'll slide my my chair away from my desk. I'll turn it around. I'll stare out at you know the beautiful nature that I've got in front of my office, that sort of thing. And I'll take these mindfulness moments Big just to breath, recognize. Yeah. Oh yeah, the breathing is a great part about it. Um, you know, obviously in meditation we talk about breathing so much. That's important. It just gets you. To, it also opens your chest. It gets you to a rhythm. Heart. Yeah, it really does. Okay, point number three: uh, remove the thorn. Yeah. yeah so, uh, and I had said, man, what is the thorn? So can you tell the story of the person who has this giant thorn in their arm? Yes, yeah, so I'll use describes? the I'll use the analogy that that Michael Singer gives us, which is, you know, we all have these thorns. You can imagine a briar thorn that's in your arm. And, you know, it'll hurt when it goes in for sure, it'll cause pain and suffering. But then what's really aggravating is if anything were to brush up against that, anybody to mm. touch it. It starts to move it, and it really strikes this nerve, right? Yeah, yeah, like this giant thorn that's like five inches long is just jabbed into your forearm, and it's touching a nerve. And if nothing touches it, you don't, you're fine. Mm -hmm. But if something bumps that thorn, it sends pain all through your body. Just triggers it, yeah. So So you do everything you can to make sure nothing touches that thorn. You you drive with the other arm. (laughs) <laughs> you get a huge apparatus, this big thing, so that nothing can to bump it. it. Yeah. yeah, but so now you can't use your right hand anymore. So you, you learn how to eat left-handed. Uh, but then sometimes things still bump that thorn. Like when you went to sleep, you got to sleep on the other side. He's like, you accommodate your whole life to not bump this thorn. You put that much effort and that much time into creating devices to protect it. So in real life, what are these devices to protect it? It's, um, we'll use, I said, Hey, what could be a thorn? And, and it's the same thought. I'm not good enough. Yeah. That, I'm that, not, I'm not good enough. Um, I'm not good looking enough. I'm overweight. I'm not successful. I'm unlovable. I'm unlovable. That's so, a huge one. So if that's a thorn, it's just a thought and it's not true. I'm, I'm going to tell you flat out. I don't care who you are. You are good enough. You are lovable. And that's the real truth about you because you're a son of God. You were designed perfectly. And you believing you're not good enough or you're unlovable or you're not attractive enough, that is you believing an outright lie. And it's continuing to believe that is continuing to accommodate the thorn that is causing you pain rather than just pulling the thorn out. And, And let me tell you about this thorn. This thorn, what it does is as it's touching your nerve, as it is inside of your body, and you can have many of these things, it is 100% attributable to developing stress. Okay. Yep. And stress, stress undoubtedly, study after study, is going to create disease. Disease. Right? Dis, yep. Disease and disease, right? Dis, um, disease and, and disease both. And so the longer what you- if, What if all disease was just created by untrue thoughts? Holy smokes. I mean, is it, isn't this the power of psychology of understanding this and, and being able to make decisions, understanding that inner voice, having an open heart, and then removing this thorn? The longer this thorn stays in you, the more you're building stress, a lifetime of stress, and actually the more you're building these thorns. So he doesn't say how to undo the untrue thought of I'm not good enough or I'm unlovable. This isn't a how-to book. It's a 
spiritual book and we want to bring the how to to it. So how do you undo the thought that you're not good enough? Okay. So, so guys, we're, and again, we're getting deep in the psychology of things here. You've got to do the work. You've got to recognize what created that opinion. You need to meditate on that. You need to think about it. You need to understand that it is not true that I'm not good enough, right? Um, and you don't need to protect it. You don't need to protect that thought. You don't need to go out there and try to prove it. You simply just need to recognize that it's there and you can do something about that decision and you make the other decision. And then you bring it in your routine. You lift these small weights at a time yeah. and you bring in affirmations in your life. That's, that's one of the how-tos we've already hit on mm-hmm. is every day you can say, I am lovable and here's proof. Yeah. And every day you can write, just, I'm just giving you a practical, I, this is what, this is how I reprogram my brain. I grab a pen and paper every single morning and I sit down, I write out the affirmation I'm working on. And then I write examples of why my new affirmation is more true than the thorn of the untrue affirmation with repetition, you get stronger. Yep. And that's the whole point of the analogy. You, you've got to do the small things first and keep on moving. And you're going to find that it has an incredible impact. You remove one of these thorns at a time. And yeah, of course, as a man on a rock spinning in space, there are thorns being thrown at me all the time. Okay. But the once you recognize them, you're going to be able to just watch them go right by. Whatever you believe is your reality. So when I'm in the belief I'm not good enough, I get experiences today and they prove that that's right. I'm not good enough. When I believe I am absolutely good enough and I'm worthy of all the blessings that God has to give me, every single thing that day proves me right that I'm worthy of blessings and I'm far good enough because I was created in the perfect way. And so just if you if you're like, man, yeah, it's easy for Adam to say because he's certainly good enough. He runs the number one rated uh custom home building company in the entire area of Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah, that guy, sure, he's got it. You do too. If you believe it, you'll start to see the examples of where it's true for you. Yeah. And, you know, thinking about that, Matt, um, I want to try to second guess some things here. Um, How did, how do we reach these, these monuments? How do we reach these checkpoints, right? How do we believe that we are good enough? It is doing it one step at a time. We, our, our business has come grand, um, did not start out doing what we're doing today. We didn't know what we know today. We didn't have the skill set that we have today. And so you do need to take the individual actions, the step-by-step strategic game plans, and you do need to follow those things. So this is the action part of it. But if there was somebody to gonna say, hey, well, you know, I'm not good enough because I'm not X, Y, Z. Let's just say it's successful enough or wealthy enough. Um, well, I'll dive into those. Not wealthy enough. I mean, at what wealth do you really feel like you're wealthy enough? Right? Is there any end game there? Only now. Yeah. The only time we can ever feel enough is in the now. Yeah. So you know. So right now, I am wealthy enough. I am lovable. Absolutely. Well, I just love that you brought that up. Uh, wealth, uh, as as the audience is listening, is thinking about their bank account. Um, yeah. I don't think about that. Right. Um, those things do come through your actions, but there's so much more to celebrate in our lifetime. The wealth is is just a small component of what you're able to obtain in the physical sense. I love that I'm unlovable one too, because if you do have the belief that you're unlovable, you take actions to see if the person you're with actually loves you. So you push them away to see if they still love you. And guess what they do? You push them away. Right. 
and you prove yourself right that you're unlovable because eventually they leave you because you're sabotaging the relationship, trying to prove that you're lovable. You were already lovable. If all you did was just believe you were lovable, you wouldn't have pushed them away. You would have loved them and they would have wanted to be with you. Right. If you celebrate all the ways that you're lovable, those things are going to manifest in themselves. If you celebrate why you're not lovable, those are going to manifest in themselves. It's crazy. Okay. Yep. Number four, death. Oh, holy what, what can death teach us? You know, here, here's the thing. Here's the analogy. We Or no, here's the reality. 100%, we're all going to die, right? Um, oh, man. Yeah, this is a good mood show. Why'd you have to bum me out like that? Because it's an opportunity to celebrate the time that we have, right? So so celebrating the time that we have, you know, this this idea of death that it is coming is is an opportunity for me to make sure that I don't squander the time that I have to increase the value, fulfillment, and wealth in my life. Okay. Yeah, what if death is our greatest gift? It is. Because it makes everything more special, everything more sacred, and everything more rich. Everything means more. It's more intense because we only get a limited amount of time here. It makes everything more important. Right. So so taking taking the action items out of this podcast, why would you not put them into place today? Right. right. Why wouldn't you do something about it? Why wouldn't you take Matt's method of reminding himself about being conscious and being grateful and put some reminders in your phone, which I'm actually going to do that this afternoon. Yeah, man, yeah, way to no take doubt. action. So I'm going to have a three, three or four time a day reminder. And I definitely want it to come up on my watch here to remind me, instead of it saying, get up and stand up, um, it's going to say, hey, just think about all the things that you have to be grateful of, yeah. right? Think about all the lives that are around you that you can help improve. Um, and so, so death is the teacher of that if we are not taking advantage of the time that we have here today, then we've just squandered our opportunity at life away. And, no, and some other analogies of this, and we've talked about this before, uh, looking back in my life, there were so many impactful moments that have directed my life one way or the other. And the story that I've told you before is years ago, before Cope Grand came into existence, um, I had a very successful career with some very successful people and a sphere around me in a different location outside of Charleston. And, you know, I, I took the opportunity to just think about that, meditate on it, right? Um, a lot of folks don't like the word meditation because they think that it, you know, takes a whole bunch of extra time. It really doesn't, It's right? just thinking. It's just thinking, right? Um, <laughs> it's just being mindful. Conscious thought. Right. Yeah. And, um, and so I thought about what things were important to me at that time phase time frame in my life. And it wasn't the success. It wasn't the money that I was making. It wasn't the future that I could build doing those things. I got an opportunity to understand what else was important to me. And so how did I come to be in Charleston and how do I have a partner that's actually my twin brother here in Charleston? It's because I identified, because I imagined myself on my deathbed, what would I have regretted? What would I have wished I would have done? And the one thing was spending meaningful time building a business and career that I could get to spend with one of the most important people in my life at that time, other than my wife, which is my brother. Man, I and just so, got emotional with you telling that. Yeah. So, so death, that opportunity to think about, you know, if you can imagine yourself. Well, this is, this is a takeaway. Hey, this is what you're doing right now. If you're listening to this show, you're going to take Adam's advice. Go ahead and take 10 minutes with a piece of paper and a pen and imagine yourself on your deathbed. Mm-hmm. And do it, do it three different ways, okay? So if you're 40 years old, imagine that deathbed is at 45. Imagine that deathbed is at 55 or 60. And imagine that deathbed at, at 90. And 
might as well do 152 because I think that's going to happen. Sidebar. <laughs> um, <laughs> but modern medical advancements and that sort of thing, I think that we're going to have much longer lifetime. But but think about those things because there are going to be different answers within those periods of time. Yeah. If, if you were to die within the next five years. What would you do now? How, what would you do today Yeah. in this week? What would you do with your career? How would you love? What would you do with your family? Absolutely. Right? And your experiences. So um, going back to that, in order to achieve those things, you got to realize that you got to be conscious about it. You've got to realize that you need to make a decision about it. You've got to realize that you're obviously don't have any time to have a closed heart. No. And to have negative emotions and have thorns. There's no time for that. Thorns in your body that are creating pain and suffering. There's, it's absolutely a waste. Yeah, it's a waste to spend any day upset with somebody and in turmoil. And you are 100% in control of how you feel about anyone. I, uh, I just did a podcast on how to stop judging because I think that is one of the biggest keys to happiness is to stop judging other people. Let them be. Man, that's, that's on them. Let, let just you be you. Be happy. Man, um, I, I love the exercise and I, I'm going to have to go home and do this one. Five years from now, 20 years from now, and then yeah. when, when we're 90. Mm -hmm. And so you did that exercise and you saw, I want to be closer to my brother. Mm -hmm. Yep. And you changed your life. So then you took action. That was the next thing is you did the exercise. You came away. You said, I want to be close to my brother. How did you get yourself to actually make the move? Because that was scary. No, you realize what's important to you. Um, after you realize what's important to you, everything else just falls to the wayside, doesn't it? Right. Um, it wasn't about the location I was living in, the house I was living in, the neighborhood, that sort of thing. It wasn't about the career or, the, or meeting my goals in that career for the next 20, 20, 10 or 20 years. Yeah, you left that money. Was, you left money. You left safety. You left security. You left status. You left friends, which was connection. Absolutely. Yeah. And you did all of that because you saw what you actually cared about was this connection with your brother. Yeah. And, and the, the exercise through contemplating death is absolutely the one. You can, I, you, maybe you can see it without that, but this is one bona fide exercise that's going to force you into doing that. And as you write these things down at the end of it, you're going to go back and reflect. You're going to look at all your notes and you're going to circle, you know, one, two or three areas that are most important to you. So one of my things on my affirmation list now, it's the last thing on my affirmation list. I, I saw it today is imagine one person I love deeply that this is the last week I get to be with them. That's incredible. Do you, How will I embrace them today? How will I talk with them today? How will I be today? Every single day, I imagine one, and sometimes it's somebody at work that I love. Like, what if this was the last week I got to be with that person? Well, how would I act with them? I'd imagine it's at least reaching out with a phone call or text message to explain how important they are to Oh, me. it's hugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're a hugger too, huh? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> hey, one of the core values of the company used to be hugging. Yeah. It was, one, it was like the whole- It used to be? Yeah. I had to change it to kindness- Okay. Because COVID happened and then every, and then me too and all that stuff. It got really weird. I can't imagine ever seeing you without giving you a hug. Yeah, man. Yeah. I love you too. Yeah. Amen. All right. Last point. Number five, choose to be unconditionally happy. So didn't we just talk about this through the, the contemplation thing. of death? The whole thing. Yeah. The whole time. But it, it's the last point because it is everything. It's a good mood show, but I'm going to, I'm going to give you the example he gives in the book. He says, yeah, you want to be happy. Everyone does. But I'm going to give you a choice and you have it. You get to make it today. Do you choose to be unconditionally happy or not? You've only got one choice. 
Either yes, I choose to be unconditionally happy or no, I reject it. And he said, if you choose to be unconditionally happy, great, but I have to give you a caveat. You can't make that choice and then all of a sudden you miss your flight and then now you're not happy because that's not okay that you didn't make the choice to be unconditionally happy. This is you have to choose to be happy regardless of any condition. And there's no caveats. There's no excuses to this choice. It's either yes, I choose unconditional or no, I don't. So this is an exercise too, isn't it, Matt? Yeah. You know, this is practice. This is is going through each and every single day, building a lifetime. Every moment. Building a lifetime of these experiences. And you can imagine the compounding, snowballing effect of you being conscious about these opportunities to be happy rather than miserable and in suffering. And what that'll do for the legacy of your life. He doesn't say it in the book, but we could go there. How how could you make this choice to be unconditionally happy if somebody you love died? So he, he says miss a flight. Like he's using an easy example we all can relate to because we've all missed a flight and been pissed off about it. So I've got my screensaver. I'd showed it. My screensaver says this on my computer. Absolutely everything is working out in the most loving way possible. I put that on the screensaver of my computer to remind myself that when my ego disagrees with the way something should have been, when I have a preference that it shouldn't have been the way that it was, there's actually a greater truth than my ego thinks, which is everything is always working out in the most loving way possible. And if I can't see it in this exact moment, Given a long enough time frame, I will be able to look back on this challenging time and see that it was, in fact, the most loving thing that could have happened. That inner voice, your ego, right, is telling you things that are not going to benefit you. Yep. Okay. They are not, that inner voice is not trying to necessarily bring you happiness. I shouldn't have missed this flight. Absolutely not. But, but going back to somebody dying, right? I sh- that person shouldn't have died. Very, it, it, listen, at any age, it's very tr- tragic. Death in the family, death of an amazing friend. This is an opportunity to be conscious about it, to understand that death teaches us a lot of things, a lot of things that we are, again, going back to a limited, a limited time on, on, on this earth, right? Um, How much we love people. So, yeah. So this going back, you know, I, I think that reading the book, if I recall correctly, um, talking about sadness as an emotion, right? Yeah. And he, um, lo- and he loves that his heart can experience this depths of sadness. We give grief such a bad rap, but all grief is, is saying, I love so deeply. I love so deeply. So we can grieve with gratitude. We can say, man, I wish that person were still here. Well, gosh, I loved him so much and I still do. And I'm grateful for every single moment that I got because none of it was owed to me. Right. And I love the celebrations of life. I don't like going to them, but I prefer that over a funeral, right? Because celebrating life and our opportunity and our time here and the impacts that those folks have made on my life is something that I'm going to celebrate. Sure. Am I going to be sad that they've left? It is a really good emotion to be sad because it means that they made such an impact on you. And I want to celebrate that Yeah, with happiness. Yeah. So he says, choose unconditional happiness. And he also says at the same time, that it's beautiful how sad the heart can get when we're not with someone that we love. Yeah. I think the example of missing a flight is an easier example for us to get because it really, what if that was the greatest thing that happened and God was protecting you from a car crash you were going to get into later if that flight had been on time? 
that's one way that I can tell my ego to quiet down. I'm like, you don't know the universe. Yeah. Like, you don't know what's best for you. You think getting on that flight and being on time was what was best for you? What if you're being protected right now? So that's a second thought that I give myself when something happens against my preferences. I, I do love that. I find myself doing that pretty often too. Um, yeah. You know, one of the things that might be bringing us, you know, some stress these days, right? That would make us not happy is potentially losing a job, right? Yeah. How would you respond if you lost a job, Matt? Yeah. What if God was protecting me and something better was coming? There's no doubt something's better coming. Yeah. But if you don't believe that, if you don't recognize that your inner voice is saying, okay, the world's falling apart, I lost my job, I'm going to lose everything. You wouldn't have that opportunity to then see the silver lining on the other side. But we said this earlier, whatever you believe, you experience. Mm -hmm. So if I believe losing this job is devastating and that we're- It's going to be. Yeah. And we're screwed. Yep. We're screwed. Yeah. If I believe that losing this job was the greatest thing that could have happened to me because something better is coming- I'm going to see an opportunity that's better than what I just had and something better came. And I'll be like, oh, I was right. Whatever you believe, you're going to be proven right. I, 100%. I mean, and that's probably just the, the takeaway from the untethered soul is that you've got to be in commandment of, of your thoughts and your actions, right? Recognizing the inner voice, understanding that a negative or closed heart is not a place that's going to bring you those good thoughts that do it. Um, and then understanding the principles of death and then happiness. Man, Adam, this has been such a pleasure. I'm, I love talking about this book. I mean, you and I have spent countless hours, right? We've on read this the book several book. times, right? On this one book. Countless too. hours. So we've kind of dug in here to to the, the key takeaways, but I'm telling you that all the medium in, be, in between, the way that Michael Singer um, evaluates and describes the principles that he's come up with are magical things. Um, this is the one book that I referred to friends, colleagues, and family more than any other book. Um, so much that I'd love to be on this podcast again at some point with Michael Singer here saying, hey guys, yeah, this is the connection point. Michael, right? you if you're this out pretty there, good. reach out to me, Matt O'Neill, mattoneill.com. You just send me a note. You meet Adam and I would love to host you. I'll fly you into Charleston. We'll have a, we'll have a good dinner. We'll talk deep. Yeah, I, I would be super excited. We'll do a podcast and on Michael, it. we got your new book, Living Untethered. I haven't read it yet. Uh, but Adam read the last sentence. He went He went straight to the last sentence and uh, it said this. All right, here we go. Let go of your ego. Let go of the small part of you. Every time you do, you find God. Where you're not, God is. This is, this is also amazing. A lot of psychological folks, psychological books are not going to necessarily talk about God. They don't. Like Michael Singer, thank you so much. Thank you so much for making it relative to our life as faithful people. Um, understanding that this whole universe out there, you know, the Big Bang Theory of gases that somehow in the infinite space have come in a chance collided, you know, collided together and then created life, human beings, photosynthesis, all these other things is ridiculously I just, did a, I just did a whole podcast on uh, how God actually created the whole universe with the Big Bang. It's God, right? Yeah, so, right. so the he big used, bang is he used science yeah. to create the world. So, so thank you, Michael Singer, for also making this a spiritual endeavor and a spiritual exercise. Um, I certainly appreciate it. I, I put the principles in, in place. I'm super excited to read Living Untethered. Okay. Thank you for this book. I, I didn't realize that it was out. And Matt says, hey, 
check this out. I've got a gift for you. So thank you. I'm very grateful, full yeah. of gratitude that you also were looking out for me in this. I'm super excited to read it and potentially do another one, another podcast uh, on, just on, on, this one. on the new book. Yeah. yeah. I've already seen the, the reviews. People have said that it's their favorite book of all time. This new one that Michael Singer just wrote a couple months ago called Living Untethered. All right, Adam, people are going to want to reach out to you. You're, you are the number one custom home builder in Charleston, South Carolina. How can people get in touch with you? Look, you guys can get a hold of me through, check us out our website. It's a bit outdated, like most websites, are, but but the socials are really up to date. So if you're interested in seeing our work, go to our socials, Instagram, Facebook. You can message us through our website. You can message us through any one of those. We're very, we're extremely good communicators. So we'll get right back to you. Cope Grand Homes. Yeah. And if this is a question about construction in Charleston, real estate in Charleston, at every any level, if this is about other business owners that are in this field, guys, I'm opening it up. I love helping people. And that's just what Cope Grand is all about. So if you want to reach out to us, talk about either, you know, Michael Singer or, or The Untethered Soul or the new book, feel free to reach or out. Or building a $5 million yeah, or- jaw-dropping <laughs> oceanfront palace, which I've seen your work, man. It is awesome. Yeah, that's, we are very grateful to have clients to get to do that work for. Everybody says, oh man, you build these beautiful houses. I say, no, we get to work with these beautiful clients that we get to build beautiful houses for yeah. and those relationships. You know, I think thanks to Michael Singer, I think a lot of what we do an organization is again brought by Michael Singer's work and others out there, but I'm going to give you all the credit today, Michael. Adam Copenhaver, Cope Grand Homes. Adam, pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on, Matt. It's been fun. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Good Mood Show with Matt O'Neill. For free resources, videos, and materials about getting into your best moods, head over to thegoodmoodshow.com. And remember, when you feel like your best self, you are your best self. See you next week. Same time, same place.